0: and welcome to Speak the Words of Cosmere Podcast. I'm Sean.
1: And I'm Mango.
0: This is a podcast where we are slowly, but surely, working our way through the story of the Stormlight Archive and the Cosmere overall. I have read all of the books. Uh, we are currently working on book three of the Stormlight Archive, Oathbringer. We're getting close to the end. Uh, we're in, like, the 90s, chapter-wise. Uh, last time, we started part four with the—we uh, also did the interludes. We checked in with Venli again um venly's not doing great uh venly is you know reaping what she sowed to an extent uh people really don't like venly for reasons that i understand but we also saw like odium sucked her into a vision and was like hey you're not doing a good enough job if you don't do better i'm gonna vaporize you later uh it's
1: like oh oh you poor thing oh dear yeah okay yeah um but also, you kind of brought this on yourself.
0: She just had a line that I'm going to read again really quick, which was just, the wrong sister had died, the wrong sister lived, which uh, sums up a lot of Venley's character uh, mm-hmm. stuff going on. That's uh, We also, it's a very sad line. Uh, but also,
1: yeah, you kind of did cause the death of your sister. I wouldn't say that to just, your face, but, you know, kind of did. Just wait,
0: uh, just wait for the Esho and I flashbacks next book uh <laughs> um interlude 10 uh or one of the interludes was just like a dude getting like executed for a crime and there was a herdazian general just oh, keep yeah. the herdazian you know he'll be you he'll mentioned be back that he's book.
1: really really weird
0: he's and very i weird. love
1: that for
0: him um we oh uh, we had a chapter where Mar- we, it was from the point of view of marais's like wash lady oh yeah
1: and then the the apprentice was actually the one herald that mm-hmm. Her name is Ash. Ash.
0: Yes. That destroys uh,
1: art. And he I- knew that she was going to show up and destroy the art. And he knows where, what's his face is? Tom. Tom. He knows where Tom is, and she is very interested in the fact that he not only knows where Tom is, but that Tom is not apparently where he's supposed to be. He is not where they left him.
0: I continuously remind you specifically of Ash and Taln's names because like now that you've been introduced to them enough, they are flashback characters in that in the back half, according to Brandon. Uh, And then in the actual uh, meat of the episode in part four, we had a Dalinar flashback where he was drunk and he talked to a herald. Oh, Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, that herald yeah that, that was also Harold. Yeah. herald we saw two yep. heralds last episode yeah
0: i know it's crazy wow okay uh and then we checked in with the crew in shades mar which they're not doing great uh everybody's depressed and hurting after what happened in colonar uh yep. and is then Shalon with- did
1: um you know how in Breath of the Wild, sometimes people will make like pillars out of ice and then jump forward. And oh, yeah, yeah, the they, did pillar and they, they did that. They did oh, that. Oh, bunny hopping That's or whatever? Bunny hopping. They did that, but yeah. with beads.
0: Yeah. We got some cool, uh, a cool little uh, scene of some powers that Shallan has. Um, somewhat similar to soul casting, but obviously not the same. But it's because, with the actual you
1: know, beads and not just yeah. the objects of that the beads represent.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um and Adolin realized that with Elacar dead, Gavanor having been taken Gavin-Nor? and are planning to abdicate, his name is Gavanor, yes.
1: Oh, oh the oh the baby.
0: Yeah, baby, baby. But
1: also that would be like 20 years before he would become king yeah,
0: anyway. Yeah. So Regardless, he he would uh Adolin would rule as regent? Yeah. Yeah. Even
1: if not king, he would be regent. Yeah. And, yeah. um, Daewonor, uh, abdicated. He's gonna abdicate. So, mm. Elokar is basically king and slash regent.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Adolin. But yeah, there's a lot of names. Oh, wait, there's a yeah. lot of names going on right now.
1: I was I was thinking of Adolin. Yeah. And I said Elokar.
0: Yeah. And then we got a, a cool chapter with Zeth and Nightblood.
1: He's a regent of a kingdom that... It's- that
0: doesn't exist. But we had a scene where Zeth and Nightblood had some back and forth. Nightblood is just a character in this book, as you discovered last time. Um, Zeth yep. is joining the Skybreakers, and they just told him all the ideals that he needs to swear. It's not like Kaladin, where it's like, you gotta figure it out, Kaladin. And they're like, so you, you swear this one, and then this one, and then this one, and then this one, and then that one. Um, but they also said, like, it takes decades between the third and fourth And nobody has sworn the fifth in centuries. So, like, don't even think about it. You're not going to reach that. And this time, we start with chapter 91, which is titled Why He Froze. It has a, it has Kaladin symbol and the epigraph reads, I should point out that although many personalities and motives are ascribed to them, I'm convinced that the unmade was still Spren. As such, they were as much manifestations of concepts or divine forces as they were individuals from Hesse's Mythica, page 7. And we start this chapter in a Kaladin flashback. Kaladin is back in Amram's army. His sergeant, Tux, is watching him clean the floor of a bunker. The sergeant is telling Cal not to feel bad about freezing up on the practice field, and says that Cal was only being punished so that the other men would accept him better. Tux says that Kaladin... Uh, uh, Tux tells Kaladin that he has to get rid of his attitude towards Light Eyes before it gets him into trouble one day. Yeah. (laughs) He also tells Cal that he's found Tien and is going to try and get him moved to their squad.
1: Oh no.
0: Do you want to talk about it? Tux asked. The moment when you froze during practice. I wasn't afraid of getting hurt, Cal said softly. You won't get far if you can't admit to a little fear. Emotion is good. It's what defines us. Makes us, I wasn't afraid of getting hurt. I was afraid of making someone hurt. Tux nodded. I see. Well, that's another problem. Not unusual either, but a different matter indeed. How do you do it? Cal asked. How can you hurt people, Tux? I think about my mates, Tux said. My squad is my family now. So you kill someone else's family? Eventually, we'll be killing shellheads. But I know what you mean, Cal. It's hard. It's good you aren't so eager. Means you're sane. Tux tells Cal not to worry about the war or battle, just focus on his squad mates. Be the man they need and keep them alive. He tells Cal that the squad will accept him better now after his punishment, and then leaves. He never told Tux the truth. When Cal had frozen on the battlefield, it hadn't been out of fear, or on the practice field, it hadn't been out of fear. He'd been very sure he could hurt someone. In fact, he'd realized that he could kill if needed. And that was what had terrified him. And then we jump to the present day. Raqueliden is sitting on the ground in Shadesmar, with Syl's head resting on his arm. They talk about whether Spren need to sleep or not, and she says that she thinks that Spren feed off of human emotions and thoughts, that they can think on their own in Shadesmar, but need a human bond when they transfer to the physical realm. He asks if she could make the transfer again to bring a message to Dalinar, and she says that since he's here and her bond is with him, she can't leave. She says that this conversation is all a distraction from the real problem. I'm fine, Syl, he said. I just lost my focus. You were basically catatonic. I won't let it happen again. I'm not complaining. She wrapped her arms around his. Something's wrong inside you, but I don't know what. I Aww. was just surprised to find Saw there, he said, not to mention Moash. She closed her eyes and leaned against him without letting go of his arm. Eventually, he found the others, heard the other others stirring and went to join them. And that is the end of chapter 91.
1: I'm kind of looking forward to this where they can talk. Like- mm-hmm person-to-person more. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be sad,
0: but... (laughs) Chapter 92 is titled Water Warm as Blood, and it has Zeth's symbol. Oh. The epigraph reads, The most important point I wish to make is that the unmade are still among us. I realize this will be contentious, as much of the lore surrounding them is intertwined with theology. However, it is clear to me that some of their effects are common in the world, and we simply treat them as we would the manifestations of other Spren." From Hesse's Mythica, page 12. Zeth and the other hopefuls landed in a small town on the border of the Pure Lake. A man tells them that convicts escaped into the the Pure Lake, and the master skybreakers tasked the squires with finding them. A handful of them ran off immediately, with some lashing themselves to the sky to look. Zeth asks Key how the man knew to send for them, and she tells him that the skybreakers have been expanding since the Everstorm arrived. He asks if all the escapees are guilty, and when she reaffirms it, more of the squires run off, though Zeth stays. He asks why the men hadn't been executed already, and Key tells them that this area is non-violent, even towards criminals. She says that now they are to be executed, though. The last of the squires takes off at this, leaving Zeth alone. He started toward the waters. Zeth's son, Naturo, Key called to him. Yes. You walk on stone. Why is this? Each shit, each shin I have known calls stone holy and refuses to set foot on it. It cannot be holy. If it truly were a master key, it would have burned me away long ago. He nodded to her, then stepped into the pure lake. You are far behind those others, the sword said. You're never going to catch anyone at this rate. I knew a voice like yours once, Sword Nimi. The whispers? Wait, no. the
1: pure lakes are the place though, where everything is flooded. Wait, yep. th- we've been here before.
0: In an epigraph all the way back in The Way of Kings. Good job. Or not an epigraph, sorry, an interlude. That was where yeah. the people were looking for Hoyd.
1: Yeah, but that was mm-hmm. a while
0: ago. That was a long time I ago. Just, yeah. I just,
1: di- I didn't pick up on the, yeah. it the first time yeah. you said it, and I yeah. just barely was paying yeah. attention to where hey, they are. That's cool. I'm,
0: I'm glad you were able to pick up on that at all. No, a single one in my mind when I was young. I hope things go better this time. One, you're not being ambitious enough. Perhaps. Sword Nimi, do you know why you were given to me because you needed help? I'm good at helping, but why me? Nin said I was never to let you leave my presence. It seemed more like a burden than an aid. You're not going you're not going the same way as the others. That was true, honestly, Zeth, I have to be frank. You aren't good at slaying evil. We haven't killed anyone while you've held me. I wonder, sword Nimi. Did Nin Sun God give you to me so I could practice resisting your encouragements, or because he saw me as equally bloodthirsty? He did call us a good match. I'm not bloodthirsty. I just want to be useful. And not bored? Well, that too. You say you killed many people before we met. But the whispers. You didn't take pleasure in destroying those who needed to be destroyed. I am not convinced that they needed to be destroyed. You killed them? I was sworn to obey. By a magic rock. He had explained his past to the sword several times now. For some reason, (laughs) it had difficulty understanding certain things. The oath stone had no magic. I obeyed because of honor, and I sometimes obeyed evil or petty men. Now I seek a higher ideal. But what if you pick the wrong thing to follow? Couldn't you end up in the same place again? Can't you just find evil, then destroy it? And what is evil, sword Nimi? I'm sure you can spot it. You seem smart, if increasingly kind of boring. Would that he could continue in such monotony. Zeth found one of the criminals, and the man charged him. Finally, the sword said. All right, here's what you have to do fight him and win, Zeth! Zeth manages to restrain the man easily and is about to use the man's dagger to kill him before he stops himself. He wanted to question the man first, but his instincts from his time as truthless had been j- to just slaughter him. The hesitation gives the criminal an opening, and he drags them both down into the water. This isn't winning, the sword said. Zeth manages to get free, but Nightblood's sheath gets stuck in the process, and he loses the sword in the water. The man glanced at the submerged silver sword. His eyes glazed, then he grinned wickedly, dropped his knife, and dove for the sword. Zeth stepped back as the convict came up looking gleeful, holding the weapon. And then Zeth punched him in the face. He grabbed the sheathed sword, stepped to the side, and swung it, sheath and all, at his enemy. The weapon struck the convict's back with a sickening crunch. The man splashed down into the lake and fell still. I suppose that will do, the sword said. Really, you should have just used me in the first place. Zeth checks on the convict and finds that the man is paralyzed but not dead. Zeth asks how the man escaped and the man says that they had killed the guard because they, like, they were so hungry that they needed to escape. Zeth dropped the man back into the water. He stepped onto the shore and sat down on a rock. That was cruel, the sword said, leaving him to drown. Better than feeding him to a great shell, Zeth said. That happens to criminals in this kingdom. Both are cruel. You know of cruelty, Sword Nimi. Vivenna used to tell me that cruelty is only for men, as is misery. Only we can choose one or the other, and beasts cannot. You count yourself as a man? No, but sometimes she talked like she did. And after Shashara made me, she argued with Vasher, saying I could be a poet or a scholar. Like a man, right? Zeth rose and walked up the coast, back toward the town. Aren't you going to search for other criminals? I needed only one, Nimi, to test what has been told to me and to learn a few important facts. Like how smelly convicts are? That is indeed part of the secret. He goes up to the prison and finds the dead guard, then returns to the town where more squires are bringing the corpses of criminals. He approaches the nobleman that had met them when they first arrived uh, and who is still talking to Master Key. Zeth accuses the man of funneling money that had been sent to keep the prisoners safely guarded and well-kept into his own pockets. Zeth turned uh, from the man to Key. Do you have a right of execution for this man? It is the first we obtained. What? The nobleman said. Zeth undid the clasp on the sword and drew it. Let's go! A rushing sound like a thousand screams. A wave of power like the beating of a terrible stunning wind. Colors drained from around him. They deepened, growing darker and more vibrant. DESTROY! Liquid darkness flowed from the blade, then melted to smoke as it fell. Zeth screamed at the pain in his arm even as he slammed the weapon through the chest of the blubbering nobleman. Flesh and blood puffed instantly into black smoke. Ordinary shard blades burned only only the eyes. But this sword somehow consumed the entire body. EVIL! Veins of black liquid crept up Zeth's hand and arm. He gaped at them, then gasped and rammed the sword back into its silvery sheath. He fell to his knees, dropping the sword. Slowly, the blackness evaporated from his flesh. The skin of his hand had been bleached to grey-white. The sword's voice sank to a deep muttering in his mind, its words slurring. Fumbling at his pouch, he saw that several spheres inside were completely drained. The surrounding townspeople, squires, and even Master Skybreakers regarded him with horror. Zeth picked up the sword and struggled to his feet. I have dealt, he said, with the worst of the criminals. You have done well, Key said slowly. Time passes, and all the squires return with the criminals. Hey, the sword said. Hey, did you draw me? I did, Sword Nimi. Great job! Did we... Did we destroy lots of evil? A great and corrupt evil. Wow! I'm impressed. You know, Vivenna never drew me even once. She carried me for a long time too. Maybe a couple of days. Wait,
1: Vivenna ca- oh yeah, I forgot Vivenna carried him. hmm
0: And who knows I how long she carried. Who 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 knows how long she carried him after the book ended, too. But
1: I forgot that she carried him at all.
0: Yeah, but this this next line is important. He says, She carried me for a long time too. Maybe a couple of days even. And how long have I been carrying you? <laughs> At least an hour, the sword said. One or two or ten thousand. Something like that. So yeah, Nightblot has no fucking concept of time. <laughs> he has, he has <laughs> no idea how long he is with people.
1: I mean, he thinks that compared to other people, it was a yeah. long time. But besides that,
0: yeah. that.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's existed for thousands of years. At so. this
0: point, yeah. It's been a long time. Key approaches Zeth and tells him that she will take him as her squire. She says there had been an argument among the masters over who would have the privilege. She tells him that he can swear the second ideal now, and that her high spren tells her that the other high spren are already watching him. She says that he will probably take just months to swear the third ideal, and Zeth thinks it'll go much faster. He asks why they hadn't dealt with the nobleman earlier, since they had already suspected him enough to get a right of execution. She says that they can't act until someone had already broken the law. Zeth nodded. I swear to seek justice, to let it guide me until I find a more perfect ideal. These words are accepted, Key said. Take your place above, squire. Zeth breathed in the stormlight. It returned to him in a rush. The skies if were his Was again. the Stormfather that said again. it? Or no, Key person. said it. The Stormfather did not accept his oath. Oh. So the- I'm
1: assuming that these folks are just very self- righteous, and they think they can just do whatever they want, and they're not really, like, going
0: about it the normal way. They're definitely not doing it the normal way, but they also have Nail backing them up, so when a Herald is involved, like... Like, with Kaladin and Honor Spren, like, there is no greater authority than the Stormfather at this point. It, you know... I for the High Spren, they... don't vibe with the Stormfather as much, and they're like, Nail is a good enough thing for us, you know? Like, so
1: we'll listen to him. Yeah. Instead
0: of, yeah, I'm sure the Stormfather isn't chill with this. <laughs> I think... I don't, like...
1: He's probably like, it doesn't matter what I say, they're just gonna accept him anyway.
0: Yeah, and he can't deny them if it's true, right? Like, he can resist... Like, hey,
1: I'm saying this until I find a better ideal. Yeah. Can you repeat that again?
0: That, what his ideal what, was? That, yeah. It was... I swear to seek justice to let it guide me until I find a more perfect ideal. So the whole idea of, like, of the Skybreakers is that as they're swearing the ideals, they are finding a more perfect law to follow.
1: And then they get to a certain point where they...
0: Are the law themselves. Are the law. Yes, but nobody's done that in hundreds of years. Um, What was
1: the fourth one?
0: The fourth one was uh, less of, like, uh, something to follow, and it was a crusade you have to go on to bring some sort of justice. Uh, which Zeth says his is going to be to cleanse Shinovar of the people that wrongly um, made him a, 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 a truthless. Um,
1: and are lying to the people Yes.
0: Uh, so the third ideal is to follow, like, a, a, a specific set of laws or a person. Whereas the second ideal is like I'm going to follow the idea of justice, but the idea of justice is too internal to me. I might misinterpret it. So now I need, in the third ideal, an external force to follow, you know. And then eventually you get to the point where you're like, I'm good enough. Uh, I I don't vibe I with the skybreakers what ideals. Is justice. Yeah, I don't I don't vibe with that personally. Um, but no? it's very
1: much like religious self righteousness.
0: I would not be a skybreaker.
1: (laughs) No, I would not either. I don't like that.
0: Yeah. Chapter 93 is titled Kata, and it has that. Yeah.
1: That's implying that um, Nail is to the point where he gets to decide what good and evil is and what justice is. And it's, I don't like that. Well, I don't like people basically elevating themselves to the level of gods who get to decide what what is good and what is evil and what deserves justice.
0: To be fair, like to be fair to the Skybreakers that view him that way, he is literally an angel to them. Like you know, like he is one of God's holy warriors. Oh, I'm um,
1: not even talking about them. Him like himself, that. I'm though, he was the one who probably yes. started it,
0: and he well. We found out last book that the orders started independent of the heralds and the heralds for the most part took a while to come around to even accepting them.
1: So the orders of the of radiance started and they just ad, like adapted themselves
0: to the to heralds take
1: after a certain herald. Yes. And then eventually the heralds were like, okay, whatever. Fine. All right, fine.
0: Yeah, I'll be your fucking I'll be your holy symbol, I guess.
1: We've got a volunteer army. I
0: guess, yeah, so. I, we need them. We're fighting an endless war against hell. So. And I
1: guess they need leadership, so yeah. let's go.
0: Uh, they also said in Words of Radiance that Ishar had a big role in uh, what the Knights Radiant ended up being. Once they started to accept the Radiance, Ishar played a big role in like the organizing them. The craziest, the craziest one, all. yeah. But I don't think they were crazy at that point. Well, no. But, but yeah, But the he's
1: the one that them. we know is craziest yeah. now.
0: Yes. So, like I said, chapter 93 is Kata, and it has Adolin's symbol. The epigraph reads, Traxel mentions Yelignar named Blightwind in an oft-cited quote. Though Yasna Kolin Windblight? has- f- Blightwind.
1: <laughs> Windblight.
0: Windblight. Though Yasna Kolin has famously called its accuracy into question, I believe it. From Hesse's Mythica, page 26. So Yelignar was mentioned by Asudan when she was like, she swallowed the- uh gemstone. She was like, "I've taken like Yelignar into me." Um, so it wasn't just a fused that was bonding with Sudan. It was one of the unmade. Oh,
1: of course. Yes. But, Like.
0: Oh. <laughs> that
1: should that should be obvious, but like.
0: Uh, it's scary. Still, I think.
1: Yeah, it it should be obvious, but hearing that confirmed is still like, oh, yeah. oh, duh, yeah. Adolin like, w- no random sprint no random is going to do that.
0: Yeah. Adolin wakes up on the ground, his body aching, and thinks that Dalinar would have been able to stand it better, that his father was the true soldier in the family. Adolin thought again of the jolt he'd felt when ramming his dagger through Sadius's eye. Satisfaction and shame. Strip away Adolin's nobility and what was left. A duelist when a world needed generals, a hothead who couldn't even take an insult, a murderer... He jumps when he notices the spren of his blade looming over him. He sees Shallan, Azure and Kaladin cataloging their supplies. Adolin gets up and goes down to the Ocean of Glass Beads. He was so overwhelmed. What do you think of all this? Adolin asked his spren. She didn't respond. I'm being childish, aren't I? So So forces moving in the world now make me look insignificant. That's no different from a child growing up and realizing his little life isn't at the center of the universe, right? Adolin begins to do a morning kata that Zahela taught him, and about halfway through, he, no- he notices Azure watching him. She joins him, and a little <laughs> while later, Kaladin joins them as well. Wow. The, the world is the same as it's always been, Adolin thought. These things we're finding. Monsters and radiance aren't new. They were only hidden. The world has always been like this, even if I didn't know it. And Adolin? He was still himself. He had all the same things to be proud of, didn't he? Same strengths, same accomplishments. Same flaws, too. Shalon tells them to stop dancing and help her plan their escape. <laughs> they go to join her, and Azure asks where Adolin learned the kata they had been doing. From my swordmaster, he said. You? And she kind of goes, likewise. Shalon shows them the list of their supplies. They have about one day's worth of water and three meals for four people. Azure says that the last time she crossed Shadesmar, it had taken four weeks. Kaladin says they have to get back to the Kolinar Oathgate, and Pattern says that the Oathgate spren are bad now. Do we have any other options? Kaladin said. There's another way to transfer between realms, Azure said. I've used it. You've traveled in this place before? Adolin asked. I'm from a far land, and I came to Roshar I came to Roshar by crossing this place. Shadesmar. Alright, Adolin said. But why? I came chasing someone. A friend? A criminal. She says that she had been hoping to get information from the wall guard when she got stuck in Kolinar. When you arrived in our land, Shallan said, you used an oath gate to get from Shadesmart to the physical realm? No, I didn't know of those until Cal told me about them. I used a portal between realms. Cultivation's Perpendicularity, they call it. On your side, it's in the Horneater Peaks. So. Oh. At one point, way oh, long that's ago.
1: That's the place where wit showed up
0: Rock said that he saw wit come out of a pool in the horn hornito um oh. peaks one time that is where cultivation's perpendicularity is a pathway between I the realms that. yeah, I can't believe you remember that either
1: <laughs> if you hadn't pointed yeah. it out and been like, yeah, uh, rock basically thinks that Hoyt is like a god, yeah, but you know. it's important, and then pointed out that he showed up out of a pool, I would not have picked up on that if you hadn't
0: You know, sometimes I point these things out for a reason.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes you point things out for fun.
0: That's true, I do. I gotta keep guessing. Uh, (laughs) Adolin says, That's hundreds of miles from here. There's supposedly another perpendicularity, Azure says. It's unpredictable and dangerous and appears randomly in different places. My guides warned against trying to use it. Guides, Kaladin asked. Who are these guides? Spren, of course. People Spren, like these two which raises a question, Adolin said. That's the soul of my shard blade, sail is Kaladin's, and pattern Shalans. So, tell us honestly, a- Azure. Are you a knight radiant? No. Adolin swallowed. Say it. You're a herald, then. She laughed. No, what, a herald? Those are basically gods, right? I'm no figure for mythology, thank you very much. I'm just a woman who has been constantly out of her league since adolescence. Trust me. Adolin glanced at Kaladin, but neither of them seemed convinced. Really, Azure said, there's no Spren here for my blade because it's flawed. I can't summon or dismiss it like you can, yours. She's a handy weapon, but a pale copy of what you carry. She patted it. Anyway, when I last crossed this place, I hired a ship. A ship, Kaladin said. Sailed by whom? Spren. I hired it at one of their cities. Cities? Kaladin looked toward Syl. You have cities? Where did you think we lived? Syl said, amused. <laughs> Light spren are usually guides, a- Azure said. They like to travel, to see new places. They sail all across Roshar's Shadesmar, peddling goods, trading with other spren. Um, you're supposed to watch out for cryptics. Pattern hummed happily. Yes, we are very famous. Adolin asks if Shallan could soulcast cla- soul to make them supplies, and she says that she can only use it to change an object in the physical realm. Azure says if they can, uh, says if they can make it to a port city, then they can find food and water. The humans that live on this side need a consistent supply. She says they might also. There are be a...
1: humans that live on.
0: What? Not many, but some. What? Travelers from humans other worlds.
1: that live in Shadesmar? Okay, mm-hmm. but that live in yeah, Shadesmar. Yeah, some
0: of them stay. Some, some of them stay and hang That's... out. What? She says they might also be able to buy passage to the Horn Eater Peaks. Kaladin says that they don't have time and that Dalinar needs them. They're cut off as his frustration begins to attract the wrong spren and they get moving again. The wines of Roshar! (laughs) Um, and it's- That
1: reminds me of, like, the symbols for, like, different chakras. Yeah.
0: And Naz obviously has his, like, his notes here. He says, uh, pink wine, I've had milk more intoxicating than this. Um... Blue milk. I guess yeah. Uh, aub- <laughs> auburn wine is made from mer- fermented fruit and is similar to the grape wines that we're used to. Apparently, a horn eater logger uh, is responsible. Wait, uh,
1: he what? He, What's up? He knows about regular wine.
0: Apparently, somewhere else in the Cosmere, they have regular wine. Nas is not from Roshar. Nas is Nas is a world hopper. So
1: well, yeah, but like, regular wine exists. Grapes?
0: God, just wait till we get to the canned food part. (laughs) Oh gosh, no. Uh Auburn wine is made from made from fermented fruit and is similar yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh the Hornedo lager is responsible for that embarrassing tattoo of his. Uh winespren are tattoo. Apparently. Winespran are apparently rare, but he says, what? Rare? I see these all the time. Um, and he says sapphire wine is made from fermented lavis grain. Depending on the infusions, this traditionally tastes most like whiskey.
1: Ew.
0: Chapter 94 is titled A Small Bottle, and it has Dalinar's flashback symbol. And it is seven you years ago. whiskey, and I'm just yeah. like,
1: ew. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. Whiskey's bad.
0: Dalinar stumbled as he swept everything from the dresser. They'd done it again they'd taken his bottles. How dare they? Couldn't they hear the weeping? He grabbed his trunk, overturning it. A flask rolled out. Finally, something they hadn't found. He slurped down the the dregs it contained and groaned. The weeping echoed around him. Children dying. Evie begging for her life. He needed more. They were on their way back to Kolinar after the hunt where they had discovered the listeners for the first time. For a time away from civilization... Dalinar had felt like himself. His old self. He hated that person. Growling, he dug in his large wardrobe. He barely heard the rap on his door. When he looked over, he saw two youths standing there. His sons. Her hair. Her judgmental eyes. How many lies about him had she stuffed into their heads? What? Adolin stood his ground. Almost seventeen now. The other one, the invalid, cringed down. He looked younger than his... What? Twelve years? Thirteen? We heard the commotion, sir, Adolin said. We thought you might need help. I need nothing. Out! Get out! They scrambled away. Dalinar's heart raced. He fell to his knees. They were only a few days' march from the ruins of Rathalus. Was that why the screaming was louder today? A hand fell on his shoulder. Father? Adolin, so help me! Dalinar turned, then cut off. It wasn't Adolin, but the other one. Renarin had returned. He held something out a small bottle. I, Renarin swallowed. I got you one, with the spheres the king gave me, because you always go through what you buy so quickly. Gavilar hides the wine from me. That's why none is left. I couldn't possibly have drunk it all. Renarin stepped in and hugged him. Dalinar flinched, bracing as if for a punch. The boy clung to him, not letting go. They talk about you, Renarin said, but they're wrong. You just need to rest after all the fighting you did. I know, and I miss her too. What did she tell you? What did your mother say about me? The only honest officer in the army. The honorable soldier. Noble like the heralds themselves. Our father. The greatest man in Alethkar. What stupid words. Yet Dalinar found himself weeping. Renarin let go, but (laughs) Dalinar grabbed him, pulling him close. Oh, almighty. Oh, god. Oh, god, please. I've started to hate my sons. Why hadn't the boys learned to hate him back? They should hate him. He deserved to be hated. Please. Anything. I don't know how to get free of this. Help me. Help me. Dalinar wept and clung to that youth, that child, as if he were the only real thing and left in a world full of shadows. And that is the end of the chapter. (sighs) Phew. Chapter ninety-five is titled "The Inescapable Void," and it has Kaladin symbol. The epigraph reads: "Yelignar had great powers, perhaps the powers of all surges compounded in one. He could transform any void bringer into an extremely dangerous enemy." Curiously, three legends I found mention swallowing a gemstone to engage this this process. From Hesys Mythica, page twenty-seven.
1: That's probably what mm-hmm. the other what what's her face the queen yep she probably read about it and then did it
0: and then apparently would have had the powers of all surges compounded in one
1: that is what wait where does it say that he
0: said this says Yelignar had great powers perhaps the powers of all surges compounded in one what yep
1: but she's dead Question
0: mark? Question mark. Uh, the crew is marching across Shadesmar, chased by Spren. Pattern is asking them to stop having emotions, as it's very inconvenient. Everyone is like, I didn't draw them, I wasn't feeling angry, and then they all look at Kaladin, and he snaps at them, saying that it feels like they're abandoning Colinar, and it makes him angry. He says the emotions are irrational, as there's nothing he can do about it, and he'll try to contain them. Kaladin knows that he isn't really angry, he's just looking for something to feel because he could feel the darkness coming. It fed off the pain of defeat, the agony of losing men he'd tried to protect. But it could feed off anything. Life going well? The darkness would whisper that he was only setting himself up for a bigger fall. Shallan glances at Adolin. They must be whispering about him. Dalinar sends him to protect Elakar. The High Prince must want to get rid of Kaladin. He'd failed at that regardless. When Dalinar heard that Kolinar had fallen, Get out, Kaladin thought. get out, get out! Get out! It would continue until numbness seemed preferable. Then that numbness would claim him and make it hard to do anything at all. It would become a sinking, inescapable void from within which everything looked washed out. Dead. Within that place, he'd wanted to betray his oaths. Within that dark place, he'd given the king up to assassins and murderers. They lose the spren eventually, and Azure says that peninsulas like the ones they're on normally have lighthouses at the end. Sil says that they'll probably have to hike for several days to reach it. There was an ins- there was an insufferable spring to Adelin's step. Like he was actually excited by this terrible place. Idiot Adelin, who probably didn't even understand the consequences of Stop it! Stop it! He helped you! Kaladin hated himself when he got like this. When he tried to empty his mind, he drifted toward the toward the void of darkness. But when he instead let himself think, he started remembering what had happened in Kolinar. Men he loved killing each other. He could see too many sides. Parshman, angry at being enslaved for years, attempting to overthrow a corrupt government. Alethi, protecting their homes from invading monsters. Elokar, trying to save his son. The palace guards, trying to keep their oaths. Too many eyes to see through. Too many emotions. Were these his only a two options? Pain or oblivion? Fight it. They camp for the night and hike the entire next day. They camp the next night and walk again. Kaladin asks Syl where she had lived when she was young on this side. A grand city, ruled by Honor Spren. I didn't like it, though. I wanted to travel, but Father kept me in the city. Especially after... You know. I'm not actually sure that I do. I bonded a Knight Radiant. Haven't I told you of him? I remember. I bonded him soon after I was born. He was an elderly man. Kindly, but he did fight. In one battle. And he died. That was a long time ago. I'm sorry. It's alright. I wasn't ready, though, for the bond. Spread normally weather the death of their Radiant, but I... I lost myself when I lost him. It all turned out to be morbidly fortuitous, because soon after, the recreants happened. Men forsook their oaths, which killed my siblings. I survived, for I didn't have a bond then. And the Stormfather locked you away? Father assumed I'd been killed with the others. He found me asleep after what must have been... Wow, a thousand years on your side. He woke me and took me home. After that, he wouldn't let me leave the city. She took Kaladin by the arm. He was foolish, as were the other Spren born after the Recreants. They knew something bad was coming, but wouldn't do anything. And I heard you calling, even from so far away. The Stormfather let you out? I stuck away, she said with a grin. I gave up my mind and joined your world, hiding among the windspren. We can barely see them on this side. Did you know that? Some spren live mostly in your realm. I suppose the wind is always there somewhere, so they don't fade like passions do. She stops abruptly and points in the distance where a bright yellow light glows. A lighthouse. That is the end of the chapter. We have one more chapter tonight. Um, which I just realized I actually need the chapter symbol for this, because we have not had this one yet. All right. Hello? I have it. I have it now. All right. Um, but yeah, uh, Syl had bonded uh, a Radiant before the Recreants.
1: But it was an
0: old man. It was an old man. He'd only fought in one battle and then he died. Oof. So, this is chapter 96, which is the reverse of nice, as you know. And it is titled... <laughs> Very not nice. <laughs> it is titled Pieces of a Fabriel, And it has a Navani symbol. Navani? It has a Navani Wait, symbol. we've had Navani before. Uh, we've had her POV, but I don't think ever a chapter from her point of view. Like, not like a full chapter. Like, I don't think we've ever had her symbol.
1: Yeah, we just had part of a chapter, yes. which was when she was praying for Dalinar. Praying
0: for Dalinar, right? yep. But this is her symbol. The epigraph reads, Yelignar is said to consume souls, but I can't find a specific explanation. I'm uncertain this lore is correct. From Hesse's Mythica, page 51. Um, okay,
1: real quick. Yes. Before you get into... I actually think if they do make Stormlight Archive into, like, mm-hmm. media or something, that mm-hmm. scene mm-hmm. of Navani doing, like, the whole...
0: Yes. The prayer.
1: Lift ...thing, mm-hmm. that would be a really powerful scene. I think it'd be thing.
0: incredibly powerful. And I love... There's a little detail of that scene that I love is after she's finished, Renarin kneels down next to her and thanks her for burning the prayer um, Aww. for his father and brother. And I just... I like that. Aww. This chapter is I I'm mostly summarizing it. And I, I'm mostly summarizing the Navani chapters because they're comp- like they're, they're a lot of talking about like political stuff. Um. But so Navani and Dalinar are at the first meeting of the monarchs at Yuratheru. She's trying to reassure him that Elakar and Adolin had escaped from Kolinar, but he seems haunted by something that she isn't like privy to. Bridge 4 sat behind them and were already eating all the food pretty much immediately after entering the room. They hadn't seemed worried at the news of Kolinar, as they thought that Kaladin could survive anything. They had taken to swapping Yezrian's Honor Blade amongst themselves, so that it wasn't clear who had it. Gox arrives with a large contingent, including the Prime of Emul, the Princes of Yazir, and the Ambassador from Tashik. They were followed by the Alethi contingent, made up of Renarin, Yasna, and the other High Princes. Amaram wasn't there as he was overseeing the work in Thelena, so Eli was there in his place.
1: Good, I'm glad. I'm glad Amaran's
0: not here. Queen Fenn and her consort came in, followed by Taravangian, who sat with them. Adratagia and his Surgebinder sat there as well. Onnok, the Natan ambassador, was also there, though he represented a dead kingdom that had been reduced to a single city-state. Navani was overwhelmed by it all. Dalinar had stepped back since his trip to Aesir, and she wasn't sure she could handle this. She begins the meetings by pointing out that there's been no other time in recorded history with this many monarchs in one place. Sabariel throws in a snide comment, and Navani considers if she could have him thrown off the top of the tower. She tells the room that they need to create a unified vision and goal for the future of Roshar. Emul immediately is like, Y'all gotta help us kill that crazy fucker who's waging a war against my people. Talking about Ishar. He's like, immediately, he's like, Great that we're all here together. Can we go kill these fuckers that are waging war? Please. I, I, dear God, you don't know what it's like. <laughs> um, and Tashik is more interested in learning of the Oath Gates. The Natans are upset that the, uh, the Oath Gate on the Shattered Plains has been occupied by the Alethi, because technically that's their ancestral home. Queen Fenethelena wants there to be free trade during wartime. And Sabariel is like, that would only be- benefit literally you and your merchants. And Yazir is very interested in the traders in the countries of Erie and Rira who have seemingly joined the Voidbringers. Navani is trying desperately to bring order back to the room and asks Taravangian to tell them about the half shards and Yakaved, but unfortunately, he's very dumb today, so he's not much help. Queen Fan asks if the technology could lead to shard plate.
1: Oh, the luck of him being dumb yes. on the biggest political. Yes. <laughs> Summit, day,
0: thank goodness. Yeah. Yasna steps in, explaining that the shards aren't technology like they had assumed, but manifestations of spren. So, like, you can't recreate them with fabrials. Technologically, uh, she explains that they're actually far beyond humanity during the Desolations, but they've lost their knowledge that relates to bonding spren. Um... Gox, the, Aze- the Azish Prime, points out that they didn't lose the knowledge, they abandoned it. And Dalinar interjects that the Knights Radiant will not abandon humanity this time. Gox is still concerned about the powers returning, but Dalinar says that it's too late to turn back. They need the powers to fight the Voidbringers. Navani turns to the ideals of the Windrunners and Edge Dancers to show that the Knights Radiant are morally good. Not a great argument. You, no. I, I mean, not. two of ten. You got two of ten. <laughs> you know? Yeah,
1: we literally have had perspectives in this episode of people who are very self-righteous. Yes. You know, you're doing your best. You're trying to convince people to work together. So sometimes you need to uh, stretch the truth, even if you don't know you're stretching the truth.
0: Yeah. Eli takes control of the conversation and shifts it towards war, asking where they should invade first. She says that the obvious answer is Shinovar, The other monarchs agree, saying that they could open the Oath Gate there and invade that way, then use it as a fallback point as it's difficult to invade conventionally because of the mountains. Navani is frustrated that Eli made it immediately about conquering places, as it would just reaffirm the bloodthirsty nature of the Alethi to the rest of the monarchs, and she tries to rein in the conversation but again loses control quickly. They start arguing about Alethi greed, as the other monarchs argue that the Alethi need to give freely without asking for anything in return. Eli threatens Queen Fen for calling them greedy, and is like, "The Blackthorn isn't gonna stand for this. The Blackthorn isn't gonna be intimidated by merchants." (coughs) And Navani grows very overwhelmed. And then the book reads, "Order from chaos. How could she bring order to this chaos? The shape of it started to make sense to her. Right now, this room was full of building materials." pieces of a fabriel. Dalinar had gathered them, but he hadn't formed them. Navani goes up to Gax, and the entire room shuts up quickly as she bows before him. She tells him that the Azish are renowned for their laws and asks him to have his people come up with a code of laws for how their coalition should function. Then she goes to Queen Fen and asks her if Thalena will come up with the regulations that they would enact on Oathgate travel, as the Thalens are the best traders in the world. Sabariel seems upset at this, as he wanted the job, and Navani is glad to have gotten him back for his wise for making a wisecrack earlier. They ask what the Alethi's role will be in the coalition, and Navani says that they will provide their generals with military expertise beyond any other land. Imul immediately immediately is like, "Dear God, please help us! Oh my God, please!" <laughs> and he's very eager to regain what they've lost already to Ishar but Navani says that they should focus on fortifying their positions for now and not trying to reclaim any lost ground. Yeah. Da- Dalinar interjects finally, saying that they have to figure out where the Voidbringers will strike next, and then the Alethi finally reveal to the rest of the monarchs that Alethkar has fallen, which sends the room into a stunned silence. Yasna says that their armies have retreated into Herdaz and Yakaved and that they've locked the Oathgate to Kolinar from this side. Emul tries to bring up taking back their lost lands again, and Gox's top advisor, Nora, tells him to shut up. Taravangian starts to freak out, wondering if the Voidbringers will come for him next, as Yaakoved borders Alethkar. Delinar promises to send troops to Taravangian, but says that if it's only the Alethi, it will look like an invasion. The Azish step up and volunteer to send some of their troops to assist the Alethi and Vadans in defending Yaakoved. Nivani finally feels relieved and brings the meeting to a rest before going to talk to Dalinar. She's frightened by the haunted look on his face. They need him. She needed him. She tells him that they need to get him away from everything for a little while, and they agree that perhaps going to Tor Vedinar would be good for him, especially if they'll be fighting the Voidbringers there next. Nivani goes over to the Azish, leaving Dalinar behind, and thinks about all the prayers she's been giving for her son and the others, for Dalinar. She wonders oh. if she even believes in a higher power anymore after what Dalinar had told her about honor. Today, she'd taken a huge step toward unifying Roshar, yet she felt more powerless than ever. And that is where and we will stop tonight. your
1: son just died.
0: Yes! I I heard you realize that her son is dead. <laughs> I I heard you realize it. <laughs> um... Yes, unfortunately. Your
1: grandson isn't dead, but your son is dead. Yes. And your daughter-in-law is insane. Yeah. And
0: You've...
1: basically possessed by an unmate.
0: She already lost her husband, which, like, didn't really bother her that much, because, like, mm, was She didn't an really asshole. like him,
1: she was just kind of...
0: But it still weird. wounded their family. And now she has to yeah. lose yet another and navani is so big about family that like even seeing the pain it causes the rest of her like seeing the pain that gavilar caused everybody else is enough pain for her beyond whatever she might have felt about him you know um yeah but yes that is our episode for tonight um next time Next time we're going to get, um, I'm trying to think of what, like, the the coolest thing to tease next time is. Um, oh, my God. Okay. Uh. Next time we're going to get a pretty important doll in our chapter. Oh. Just, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty okay. important. Yeah. All okay. right. We have a Discord server. The link is in the episode description. You guys can follow us at Twitter at SpeakStormlight. Email us at SpeakTheWordsASP at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore AFK. And as always, our cover is made by our good friend Alks at Alks underscore Big Boy. Go drop them a follow. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you guys next time. Life before death. Strength before weakness. Journey before destination.